work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching postmortem mm-hmm. where we, the audience, and me, the spouse of Jim Anger. Hello again. <laughs> we get to look at his sermon from last Sunday and kind of d- dig deep. Yes. Um, you told Clara, who was not in the sermon, you told her that uh, you didn't tell as many jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she said, why didn't you? She said, this was this was an easy subject, not too controversial. Nobody's going to be that mad at you, so you should have upped the humor quotient. I know, I kind of agree. I prefer It was a strangely prescient comment by her. <laughs> <laughs> Kids say the darndest things. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's a wise one, she is. Um, I do feel like I laughed too much in last week's podcast, mm. so I need to, like, channel my inner, I, I don't know, my inner person who doesn't like your jokes <laughs> i don't know what what it is about podcasts that makes me laugh at you where <laughs> in real life <laughs> in real life you never laugh in real life i find it much easier to be stoic <laughs> that is true yeah you, you did tell me the weirdest sports wife or sports spouse question ever on sunday afternoon after a sunday evening after the eagles victory which one was this so oh after after the game, you asked me, Jim, did the Eagles win? And I said, yeah, they actually won and played pretty well. And then you, you followed up with, but did you still feel empty inside? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Who says that? I mean, the answer is yes, as an Eagles fan. <laughs> it's a lost season. It's going to get worse, but... I still didn't appreciate the question. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying, guys. I'm trying to, like, um, tear Jim away from Eagles <laughs> fandom. I know some of you will. I, I, I don't know. Who's the real prisoner here? Okay. That's what I want to okay. know. We'll stop. Let's let's move on. <laughs> Enough bantering. Hmm. Um, well, your, your sermon, Creation and Work, Genesis Then and Now. Um, Working on the highway, laying down the blacktop. Oh, no. Have you really gotten? This is going to be a Springsteen heavy <laughs> podcast, everybody. Positive Get ready. feedback about your singing on the podcast, therefore adding it every chance you get. Yeah, that, that's a different email address. Okay, so so yeah, so what's the context of this sermon? You um, you're talking about work this week. I was talking about work this week and was excited to dig into the subject. One of those things where, if our job is particularly bad, whatever our job or jobs might be. We'll spend some time thinking about it. Maybe we'll, you know, get a life coach or a counselor or solicit the advice of friends. But often, I think with work, it's one of those things where we spend a ton of time doing it, but don't really think a whole lot about it or talk about it. Too oh, much. I think a lot of people. W- oh, really? <laughs> think about and talk about work. I I guess. So. Oh, you mean in the Christian context, maybe? In the Christian context, particularly. Yes. Yeah, I I think that. I think people like some conversations I overhear are only about work and it kind of makes me want to walk away from those (laughs) conversations. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I guess they overstated there. Yeah. Like parties and barbecues 
you know that sinking feeling that you get when somebody starts talking about his or her work and you know they're going to talk about it for a really long time and it's yeah. going to be really boring? Yeah, like the the pastors. <laughs> oh my gosh, when people find out you're a pastor, they do run away from the work conversation. Yeah. <laughs> possible. <laughs> but I feel like I have good material. Uh, yeah. It's underrated. Let's, let's switch to the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so talking about work, baby. Yeah, and the and the context of um, what you're burdened to get across. Um, I did find it ironic when you were talking, when you introed this sermon and you were talking about, um, we couldn't rest anymore. We need to s- talk about work. I mm-hmm. thought it was funny that you were just coming off a week in which you worked not only all day, but you also <laughs> had six nights of meetings in a row. Right. Yeah. Well, well it's time for lucky number Sabbath right there. <laughs> number seven yet. Yeah, it was that hadn't occurred to me, but it was a much busier work week than than usual. So maybe I was just trying to like self-talk myself to say that work is great. This is awesome. Yeah, context. <laughs> so, uh, I, so yeah. So sorry, what were you burdened with when you were preparing and had a, this full w- work week? You you didn't think of that. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, was, I was too busy working. <laughs> I didn't have time to think about it. So. Like we mentioned just a moment ago, um, work is not something that's talked a ton about in in Christian circles. And, you know, there's re- there's reasons for that, because the most important thing is Jesus. But being a follower of Jesus relates, on the other hand, to all aspects of our lives. And if part of the Represence Initiative is building out horizontally how the scriptures, how being a follower of Jesus affects not just what we do on Sunday mornings, but throughout the work week, it seemed like the right time to sort of double click on this topic of work a little bit more because the scriptures truly are wide and deep in their application to every aspect of our lives. Right. Um, yeah. And I can see it as relevant as you, um, as you talked about rest last week, you know, most people I think would ta- do it the reverse. They talk about work first and then rest. Yeah, it but is the Lectio Continua going passage by passage. So how Genesis structures it, but you're right. Well, I mean, we can jump into that because that's the next section, Sun Mm -hmm. Studios, Presence of the Lord, where we think about that specific Bible passage you were using. So you're using Genesis chapter two, verse something. Versus something (laughs) to something. Yeah, verses four to 15. When I was talking on the phone with my sister this past afternoon, who again tuned in from afar to the sermon, she really liked my can can I re- can I give positive feedback about my jokes on this podcast? Nah. So she really liked my joke at the beginning when I said I was going to increase the sermon text from verse 14 to verse 15. And then I said, but it's going to be OK. She said she couldn't stop laughing. So I just want you to know, Em, there are people out there as I'm being stared into oblivion right now. So Genesis chapter two, verses four to 15 Garden of Eden, where we have, again, the creation of humanity, the creation of man. And really in this passage, though, the spotlight is on God as laborer. God is a worker in this passage. So if God creates in Genesis chapter 1, I mentioned by word, in Genesis chapter 2, God creates by work. And so when the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed life into his nostrils, the breath of life, that, that's God as a potter, and then it was fun to see that God is being a planter as he plants these different little shrubberies all around and trees. And so we're called to reflect. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. It's a gardening 
sort of word and keep it a uh, shepherding sort of word. Yeah, I um, I do appreciate the way that you were were constructing the sermon around this text and kind of contrasting it to um, other creation narratives that were prevalent in that day. Yeah. Um, just the idea that most people's paradise is paradise, but God's Eden actually did still contain work. Yeah, striking both then and now. It's the only paradise in ancient Near Eastern creation literature where there's not just pleasure in paradise, but also work. Significantly not painful work until the fall, but work is enough of what we're constituents of in our humanity that work is actually in the garden and deeply reflective of God, too. Yeah, and I also think about, it makes me think about um, how work is something that we all do kind of naturally do. Like, we do resist it. I mm-hmm. think that's part of your sermon later on. Yeah. Um, but there's something intrinsic in us that wants to create, that wants to be productive. Um, and that human nature element of our desire to work makes this passage resonate as true. Right. So there's, I, I did quote, and we'll get to in the you references later on, the, our, our the Bruce Springsteen factory, but there's a line from a later Bruce Springsteen song, we take care of our own. You're not introducing when... <laughs> to our podcast members who Bruce Springsteen is. Like Singer-songwriter from New Jersey. There we go. From We Take Care of Our Own 2012 Wrecking Ball, uh, Bruce gives a lament. Uh, Where's the promise from sea to shining sea? Reference to America the Beautiful. But then he also develops that line as a couplet with Where is the work that will set my hands and my soul free? Right. So there is there is something very meaningful about us being able to have good work to do. Yeah, I think fabric of creation. Yeah, it's just it is just really crazy. It's like there is a yearning and a longing. I don't think it's all entirely just to make money or just yeah. to be earning a living. Um, I think that when I so my job experience, like I'm thinking about work and pretty busy right now, but I know that. In January, I won't be busy and I'll be twiddling my thumbs and like kind of wanting work. It's a mm-hmm. it's a weird place to be able to say that. Like I, I yeah. Yeah. So there's something intrinsic in, in this. Right. I remember back during the Great Recession of, I guess there's been multiple Great Recessions, depending on how you look at it. But 2008, 2009, there were a series of studies during the Great Recession about the effect of the psychological and bodily even effect of unemployment on men, less so on women. That's an interesting question, not to over-stereotype men and women, but or maybe it's just because men have been more primarily in the workforce uh, in recent centuries. But employment has devastating psychological long-term effects with men specifically. Um, and there's probably a fallen horizon woven into that when maybe we overinvest in our jobs and treat them as idols. But there's probably still a creation horizon there too, where if we don't have meaningful work to do, we just feel useless and less than human. Right. Um, and you want to tease that out in terms of the passage, um, both that positive narrative narr- part yeah and then also um bringing in what the fall does or what what 
the, what you what did you what was the term you just used? Fallen creation. The fallen horizon. Fallen creation horizon. horizon. Fallen horizon. Fallen horizon. Have to think about that one. Yeah, or the th- three narrative arcs of scripture coming to us for the beginning chapters of the Bible: creation, fall, and redemption. And so this sermon was kind of teasing out work through those three different lenses. And I hope it made sense to say that scripture accounts for both. If And this wasn't the sermon text, but the next chapter, Genesis chapter 3, one of the primary ways in which we are punished by God for the disobedience of Adam and Eve is that our work becomes a lot more complicated and hard. But the sweat of our brow will now work, and thorns and thistles will be there in our labor that weren't there before. So, yeah, I think very assuringly, and I would encourage if, you know, somebody listening is not sure where they are with spirituality— I also, likewise said on Sunday that this is one of those things that I think where scripture makes sense of our own experience and gives us categories to formulate, understand what's going on in our lives, including how work is good, but then work is hard. Right. Or you could just look at a Bruce Springsteen quote. <laughs> that's right. Well, either way, you'll have to come to me first. So that's the important, that's the common denominator. <laughs> right. I, I want to be the, uh, I want to be your dealer. When it comes to Bruce Springsteen, everybody, Helen Wolves out there. <laughs> you know, Jesse asked me the other day who my favorite artist musician oh, was. And complicated. I, I did tell her Bruce Springsteen, and she looked at me like, <laughs> <laughs> like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just Secret don't listen secrets. to music. It's just what's around. That is true. And Bruce is around. <laughs> yeah, one other couple things about the passage, maybe, before we go into more of the, the complicated nature of work. I did try to give a little bit of an apologetic about Genesis 1 versus Genesis 2 and the two different creation stories. So it, to me, this is one of the instances of low-hanging fruit for people that want to say, we can't trust the Bible, it's made up, it's a sloppy copy and paste job. Genesis 1 and 2 is one of those gotcha passages where, look, even at the very beginning of the Bible, you have two competing, different, contradictory accounts of creation. And I tried to spend a little bit of time saying these actually cohere in some pretty remarkable ways. So it's a mutually enhancing and complementary relationship. These two passages are not at odds with one another. Sure. The plants are the domesticated ones. I also really liked in this passage, we have the tree of life and the the river of life. So rivers are one of those images that you get over and over and over again in the scriptures. At the end of time, you have visions in Ezekiel and Zechariah. Those are two biblical prophets. And then you get it at the very end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 22, plus the tree of life appears again. So fun to make all of those connections. And when I talk about the tree of life at the end, I usually make a reference connecting it with Jesus being hung on a tree of death for us. Right. Let's move on to muddying the waters. Mm-hmm. Um, this section, we're thinking about what was difficult for you. What, what, when you were um, trying to put this sermon together, did you come into any surprises, any speed bumps? Not really. This, was, this sermon was a pretty easy to put together, and I. At one point, I was going to say this in the sermon, but just so it wouldn't be distracting, I decided not to. But this podcast is all about the circuitous distraction and for the fun of it for bread and circus and that sort of thing. What are you? I don't know <laughs> what I'm saying. But uh, for the 
for parts of this sermon at Liberty Collingswood, we did a faith and vocation seminar a couple of years ago. John right. Travis from John Travis Boston came back down and. Some of this material about work I adapted from myself, oh. so it was a little bit of an easier sermon. When you on didn't the back reference nine. yourself, yeah, is that is that plagiarism? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. I plagiarize from the best. That's what they always say oh about me. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so so yeah. it was not difficult to construct the sermon, despite the fact you had six work meetings. Right there we go. <laughs> but I did spend a lot of Some time. Sure a couple about years ago on that yeah. on that seminar. One different thing between then and now, and I loaded all this sort of stuff into the introduction. I think oh, since right. the since the seminar, maybe 2018, 2019, the dynamics of labor force are radically changing. Yeah, the I think. COVID landscape. Yeah, the COVID accelerated landscape accelerated it. Right. So and I'm pretty interested to see where all of this is going to go. And I'm not the only one. There's a lot that's been written about such things. But the Great Resignation, both with white-collar jobs and blue-collar jobs, sure. from, from high to low, high wage to low wage, people are quitting without knowing what other jobs they're going to do. The whole double speak of essential workers right. vis-a-vis <laughs> low, low wage earners. Yeah, at the beginning they're of the actually pandemic. expendable. Right, essential, really expendable. The the work at home thing is is a huge thing. Oh yeah, I definitely do kind of work. <laughs> right, all the time. As I yep. edit photos, I'm watching or I'm listening to reality TV. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. So kind kind of work is is here to stay, and I continue to hear from people. It seems like the majority report with people that have shifted to work at home. We're not going to completely shift back to the office ever. But I don't think we have a great handle or dynamic on the long-term effects, probably intended or unintended, of, of working at home. And then the, the injustice and exploitation that's woven into the fabric of our work, too. Right. And it is important to, like, I, I thought that was an important reference to try to bring us I don't know. I can kind of think about my work in one way, but it's it is still a privileged position and many of us have privileged position jobs which allow us to be at church on Sunday even, but for sure. Um there's there are a lot of people in situations where labor and work are um physically and emotionally consuming. Yeah, that was one of the muddying the waters context that I tried to address a little bit. Often when I've read, listened to seminars, books, podcasts about Christianity and work, it, it skews privileged a lot of the time where, you know, a, th- a biblical theology of work, we're all artists or high-level computer designers, or we work in Silicon Valley, or we work in New York, and we have these succession-like jet-setting lives. But most of us don't have work that that's, that's that fun or interesting and actually, as we remember, and I tried towards the end of the sermon to talk about how we need to keep the, the horizons of creation, fall, and, and redemption in balance with one another, remembering the creation horizon means that there's no better work or worse work, for example. And what we would consider to be less noble, less sexy jobs, they're, they're just as important in God's eyes. So I hope that I was able to articulate to people both in the work that you do and the struggles you have there that God sees you and God is with you even in the midst of your work days and not just your Sunday mornings. 
it's definitely something to chew on. I definitely think it's it's a more complicated subject than maybe it appears on the surface. Yeah, and I do think that that whole evil versus idol thing, hopefully that was something that was able to speak both to the Christians and the skeptics, where we are congenitally folks that either over-invest or under-invest in our jobs. And so over-investing, work becomes an idol. Under-investing, our work is just evil. And if, if it becomes an idol for us, it's just going to tear us down. We're never going to be satisfied. We're never going to be secure. And if we just think our jobs are necessary evils, can't live with it, can't live without it, we're never going to get any fulfillment whatsoever out of the job in the first place. And we need Jesus to free us from just bouncing between those poles. Yep, makes sense. Um, should we move on to guitar Slim Biggins? What about the bar band cover tunes? Oh, oh. <laughs> I don't have a. This was my right in front of me. I mean, did you have any references? Ah, uh, not many, <laughs> but the ones that I had were okay. Were killer. You introed with the the my book boss the... is a guitar player from New Jersey. Okay, we can start there instead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who's your boss again? Singer-songwriter from New Jersey, Bruce Springsteen. And one of the things that, one of the services that I hope that I provide to our congregation and to our listeners is that I don't just go for the obvious Bruce Springsteen references that, you know, anybody could do, but I really go for, you know, the choice deep cuts. One of them was Factory, Quick Sidebar M. I almost didn't get the Liberty Collingswood job because my first conversation interview conversation with Jared Ayers, who was Uh then the pastor of Liberty Center City, and he's one of the gatekeepers for me to be the person that would come up here and plant this church. It was a conference call that Jared was leading, and I think Steve Huber, our network director, had tipped Jared off that I was a big Bruce Springsteen fan, Uh and I'd never met Jared before. We'd never had really any communication. Towards the beginning of that interview conversation, Jared said, oh, Jim, I hear you're a big Bruce Springsteen fan. I just preached my Easter sermon. It, it was Easter oh, recently. No. And I quoted from Atlantic City, Bruce Springsteen. And I, I said, oh, did you quote, everything dies? Maybe that's a fact, but maybe someday everything comes back. And he was like, yeah, that was a reference. And I paused and I said, it's kind of obvious. <laughs> and then there was just this long pause in the conversation where like Jared was thinking uh. like, Am I just being criticized by the person <laughs> by the person that really wants this job? So we we worked it out and got over it. So if that was Atlantic City, obvious factory off of 1978's Darkness on the Edge of Town resonates with me because you get both the creation and the fallen horizons in the same song. Sure. Factory gives him life, the factory worker, but also takes his hearing. Factory takes his hearing, factory gives him life, the working, the working, just the working life. So there's this aspirational quality to work that we need to work to be complete human beings, but then the work that we need to do also takes our humanity away. So a really great song. And then the last verse is dark, some type of scene that at least pretends the possibility of domestic violence. So Somebody's beaten up all day at the factory, and then you just better believe, boy, somebody's going to get hurt tonight. The working, the working, the working life. So one other thing about Bruce, people tell me, um, like a standard joke for years with me in my preaching is, oh, you heard Jim preach this past Sunday? They talk a lot about Bruce Springsteen. 
I think I don't talk about Bruce that much at all. So I think it's an unfair stereotype where I am not seen in my <laughs> preaching. And you're right right here. You're making an announcement that <laughs> every week Bruce is going to be in the, the quote section <laughs> of your bulletin. So I, I just want people to know that if you think I reference Bruce Springsteen a lot, you have no idea how much I could reference Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, I have an idea. Basically, this this is me <laughs> saying you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's as far as I get with apologies. You're welcome. Um, I wrote a I wrote a note that it was this is so tangential, but I literally had had a dream the night before that mm-hmm. I was in a situation where I was supposed to play a Bruce thing, and I played the wrong song at some event, and you were slightly disappointed, I guess. Oh no. <laughs> But I literally had that that night, and like I didn't remember it until you like started talking about it in the sermon. It was very odd. Um, anyway, that's how good I uh, am. <laughs> <laughs> Knew what you were dreaming about. Yeah, guys, put it in the sermon, I don't, I don't the know. ultimate callback. Helen Wolves, you can email into postsundaybluesgmail.com at gmail dot com if you think that if you feel like I'm uh, Jim is speaking to your dreams, corrupting his wife. <laughs> Putting pressure on her. No, I, I did not in such intend a way to say that. that yeah. <laughs> I'm having it's dreams about Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> okay, I said I'd Moving stop on. laughing. Okay, um, you also had a quote um, the very beginning from a book called The Top Five Regrets of Dying, or was that an article? Yeah, no, it, it was a book. Also a funny joke for me, The Top Five Regrets of Dying. What's the book about? Hilarious. <laughs> This is a postmortem. So, yes, top five regrets of dying. Bonnie Ware, uh, hospice care worker in Australia who took her experiences over the years listening to people literally on their deathbeds and collated their responses into five different categories. Number two was, I wish you didn't work so hard. I, th- I thought there's a couple things we could say here. I have a question for you, too. Um, number one, I thought was bogus. And I, I, I almost engaged with that in the sermon. Do you want to guess what, according to this person, the number one regret of the dying was? I'm not even going to try. It was, I wish I was truer to myself. I think mm. that, I don't think people, mm. I'm a professional. I'm a pet. I don't think people, I mean, I have a strong regrets. I've had a few <laughs> Sinatra. So, so I, sure. There, there's part of us that, you know, I think that you just like to hide behind. I, you just like hide behind hiding behind the mask that you wear all the time. <laughs> so you're using the, the you're using the impersonal you there. <laughs> so you don't understand. Who is you? The point, <laughs> the point of this person who is wise and understands that they should have been their true self. <laughs> that's a different podcast but number two was i wish i didn't work so hard great majority of women and to a person every male patient according to bonnie Ware, said that they had missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship wanted to ask you em you had a conversation yeah i literally with somebody the same day it was literally the night of your sermon when i was like on the sabbath working I was I was doing a photo shoot and the grandma who was there like I was chatting with her about how you're supposed to raise teenagers and um, the grandmother told me like she really would the one regret in her life was that she didn't spend more time with her her girls as they were growing up and she was a um, obstetrician and I'm sure she was like extremely 
extremely um, well regarded. You have to be to be a doctor. And she's a grandmother. So back in right. the day, she probably really had to fight for that position. Yeah. And I don't know. Generationally. You can't 100%. I, like I told her, your girls are lovely and they're lovely mothers right now. And clearly they don't resent you for the, the work or the, the work that you did. Um, you could have taken it in the other direction and told the grandmother, this is the most dysfunctional family <laughs> I have ever shot in any type of photo situation. Sometimes you got to zag when people are looking for a zig. Uh, n- <laughs> <laughs> there's still okay, time. Okay, sir. Um, but I think there, yeah, so there's there has to be some truth to that, mm-hmm. Mr. I just spent six nights in a row. <laughs> Sorry, I'll right. stop. I'll Gosh. Stop. I will stop. I should defer. I don't usually do all of those. You don't usually do evenings. that. You are very, very, very attentive I've to our children. Better. You have better attentive. You have better connections with our children than I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you've gotten this far, <laughs> you get to hear the the authentic banter come out. Here we go. Um, Barbie cover tunes. What else do we have? That was pretty much everything from from Sunday. It was fun, like I said, to mention Genesis 3 with the curse of a couple Bible references. And then both the beginning of Revelation chapter 21 about God wiping every tear away from every eye. And sure. then Revelation 22, 1 through 5. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Those are some of my favorite passages in scripture. And speaking of, you know, I, I might reference them too much, but you have no idea how often I want to. These were passages that should be taken to heart, Revelation 21 and 22, because this is a vision of of the end. One, Tim Keller, pastor in New York City. Years and years ago, I was listening to some sort of, I don't know if it was a sermon or a seminar talk on faith and vocation. Redeemer in New York has done a lot of work over the years. They have a center for faith and work. Do you know what that's about? Just still trying that I'm joke on. Blinking the, at you again. So he he said, this, this is a little too simplistic and crass, but say you have two people that are both given similar but not identical deals. They're, they're told, and you know, hypothetical, if you work 90 hours a week for the next five years, we will give you, I forget what it was, $50,000. But then if you tell person B, you will work 90 hours a week for the next five years, but you will be given $50 billion. The way that those two people process working those 90 hour week jobs will be very different based on how it's going to end up. And so there is something to be said for keeping heaven in mind while, while we work and there is rest ahead, you know, $50 billion, nothing compared to what God has prepared for us. So even when we're slogging through or work seems endless or hard or very thorny and thistly, there will be a rest ahead and it's going to be great. Good stuff. Um, now we're moving on to Guitar Slim Pickens. Any leftovers? Did you catch the Monty Python reference? Nope. The Did I watch Monty Python ever? Nope. No. <laughs> How many other movies have I missed? That is Thousands. So. A shrubbery? Do you really have the credentials to talk about gardening? <laughs> <laughs> Do you? This is, this is mutually assured gardening <laughs> destruction right here. 
Howlin' Wolves, if any of you would want to be gardening wolves, <laughs> Howlin' Take a gardeners, stab at our yard. Go for it. Feel feel just, free. Just walk in. Start doing whatever gardeners do. <laughs> Mikasa es su casa as it relates to the garden. Okay. No, I don't. Yeah. Nope. Anything else? Yes. No. Karl Marx. No, that was wrong, oh, wrong section. Marx, yeah. uh, let's skip it. Um, could could we actually go go back to Marx for a second? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, I I didn't have that noted here, but yeah. So Karl Marx, uh, he was the one that coined the phrase "religion is the opiate of the masses," which, from what I read, is a quote that's taken out of context a little bit. But Marx, not friendly to Christianity, but you could say whether or not this was intentional, borrowing some capital from Christianity to identify the importance of work in one's world and life view, which you don't get from Greco-Romans. It's all about the life of the mind, Gnosticism, etc. Not that all Greco-Romans are Gnostics, but maybe Carl should have taken a look at the Bible again to see that there's a lot of stuff about work according not only to the creation, but the fallen horizon. Taking down socialism. <laughs> okay. Uh, Howlin' Wolves. Do we have I any? I did say, I, just, I, got, yeah. I got a couple of the unintentional com- comedy lines when I said during the sermon, one of the brilliant contributions to Western thought that Karl Marx made was the importance of labor and economics and life of the universe and everything. I did qualify it at one point by saying I'm not a Marxist and people started to laugh, but I didn't know why they were laughing. Do you know? No. Okay. Is this a sports reference again? No. I I just said I'm not a Marxist, but people laughed and I don't know why. I mean... Do they think I'm a Marxist? That's what I'm wondering. They were just waiting for a joke and wasn't appearing. (laughs) 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 Okay. Sometimes you just say you're not a Marxist. There's no... There's no punchline. Anyone have feedback? Um, Helen Wolves, are you out there? Uh, if you have any, actually, you're looking at me like there was something. We did get another spam email this week, <laughs> which is fun. And, you know, Post Sunday Blues is able to apply for various fake credit cards based on the fact that we have this email address. And I'm kidding. We're not doing that. But Helen Wolves, I, I have gotten feedback that I've appreciated either in person yeah. or to jim at liberty.org which i also appreciate but if you want to get on the podcast yeah, actually, here, gotta this be is a spontaneous thing why don't hmm. you hmm. Jim Anger, <laughs> give give people something to write back write about uh give a specific question what's a what's your what's the question they can answer do you think like a frivolous question or a serious I think one, one of each okay so frivolous question what's your least favorite bruce springsteen song and oh you are not going to find that frivolous the oh also it's murder incorporated the <laughs> there are much worse songs than murder incorporated That's the worst the uh so going into this coming week going to be talking about doctrine of scripture so that's going to be our last represence initiative genesis one and two sermon before we go into our advent advent series and in the passage for next week that's where god says You can eat from any tree of the garden, but do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. I'm going to use that as a platform to talk about how God has revealed himself to us verbally at this point through the scriptures. So it's going to be a doctrine of scripture sermon. The question can be, 
what do you find hard or challenging about the Bible, either on the abstract level, you know, can we trust it? Can we believe it? Can it be true for us? Or just struggles related to, hey, I try to read the Bible, but I'm not getting a whole lot out of it. I have never written into a podcast. So just so you know, as I'm saying, please write into our podcast. I, I listen to so many and I would never write into a podcast ever, ever. Maybe once. I've been suspecting that you're Kristen, who <laughs> emailed in alluringly last week. I'm waiting for that big reveal. Okay. Anyway, with that, I think that's it, right? Any other things to plug? Nope. Okay. Uh, with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching postmortem, production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre Sunday happy. Uh, no, I do not miss the. The, the squirrels, squirrels jumping from the tree to the to the roof. They were so cute. Yeah, we had that humane squirrel trap to trap the squirrel <laughs> <laughs> on our roof. It was so humane. <laughs>